0: We've raced in France. Um, we've done a race called the Haut um, which is the supposedly the hardest cycling sportive in the world. Um, it is modeled after, or at least it started out modeled after, the Tour de France. One more Rolling with Tay podcast?
1: Well, follow on Instagram and Twitter at Rolling with Tay. Visit the blog, rollingwithtay.wordpress.com for more content, and be sure to sign up for the monthly newsletter. And lastly, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Rolling With Tay. This is the Rolling With Tay podcast. I'm your host, Tasia, aka Tay, and this is episode four, and my guest on this episode is Daryl Tucker. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for being a guest. I really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. So before we get into the cycling talk, um, let's chat a little bit about skating because when we were in Atlanta for One Love Century, you mentioned that you roller skated. Do you still roller skate? And if so, do you have a style that you like to do or skate?
0: So the question as to whether I'd still roller skate is a no. Oh, damn. Uh, I, guess I, can't, I guess I can't say I do if I don't do it consistently. Um, yeah, that's a hard no. <laughs> um, but I, I did skate in my younger days, uh, more traditional skates. I never got into inline skating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was more of an indoor skater um, than an outdoor skater. So think uh, skate and rink dances acrobatics things like that.
1: Okay. All right, that's cool. Um have you ever been to the skate key in the Bronx?
0: I was a staple. Oh, okay. All right. key, the rink? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, said <laughs> I don't want to date myself, but the fever? I've heard of it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: I-, I heard of it. Yes. All right. That's what's up. All right. Cool. Um, Yeah. I'm an inline skater. Uh, Roller skates now and again, I do have some Amazon skates that I've only worn once like out. So maybe I'll get into that.
0: I think I've found that uh, just on the skating tip. So uh, there, there was a moment where I wanted to get back into it and Again, don't want to date myself, but <laughs> when I started looking at, first of all, the places to get like a good pair of skates mm-hmm. were were very few that I, that I knew or could find like locally and they are expensive, you know, and I was just like trying to get my head around that. I was like, oh, okay. Times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I bought my skates from Amazon. Then comes the value proposition of, do I spend this money if I'm not really going to skate, right? So Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Again, why I bought my skates from Amazon.
0: I was like, I don't know
1: if I want to make this investment. So let me get these skates from Amazon and see if I actually start skating again. And I hadn't for a year, so almost a year. And I haven't skated them besides that one time so
0: I will say I was motivated when you said you did inline skating and I think you said you did long distance inline skating yeah so I'd never heard that people did that and uh, it kind of sparked something in me but still no skates <laughs> oh, damn
1: man. damn. well I did, a, I did a skate marathon after I saw you in Atlanta um, in Minnesota 26.2 miles It was really cool, had a great time. I loved it so much. I'm going to Berlin in September to participate in the BMW uh, inline skate marathon. That's dope. Yeah, man, the skating thing.
0: It's taking me all over the world. I was getting ready to say that. These endurance uh, sports will take you all over the world. Yeah. So
1: let's get into cycling.
0: All right. First, how many bikes do you have? Uh, more than I have skates. So <laughs> let's see. uh number of bikes, n plus one, so that would be currently one, two, three, four, five, and one being built. Mm, okay. Five,
1: five bikes now six after your one is built correct are they what are they like are they all road bikes Is some a couple gravel um
0: so three are road bikes two are track bikes and one is a hybrid Hmm.
1: and out of those five bikes which do you ride the most uh
0: probably the road bikes um So the road bikes, they all have a different nuance to them, um, which before I got into cycling, I would have been like, eh, bike's a bike. Pedals, wheels, handlebars, seat. Um, But they do have purpose Mm -hmm. um, in the way that they are built, in their geometry, in the way they perform and handle. Um, So one of my road bikes was my first bike. It was my first kind of leap into Um, what you would call carbon or high-end bikes. Um, So that bike I won't get rid of um, Mm -hmm. because I loved it and it was like meaningful to me. Um, And that was my Willier uh, Gran Turismo. So that was 2016. Um, The other bike was my S-Works Tarmac uh, 2019. um that has a more aggressive uh, geometry. It is the bike I use to race on. <clears throat> um, and then I have an S-Works Athos or Specialized Athos, um, which is my first venture into disc brake bikes, right? Before that, mm-hmm. everything was rim brake. And the Athos was my first disc brake bike. Um, and it turns out that the Athos, although it's super light, um, the geometry is not so aggressive, um, it is super light. It has disc brakes. So that is more of a climbing bike. And it also has gearing for climbing. Um, so it has 12 speed and a bigger cog in the back. So um, they all have a purpose. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, the other two are track bikes. One was a more, call it a, I would call it a fixing, not a track bike. So mm-hmm. it's more street like think New York city messenger. Yeah. Um, so it's what I used to like ride around in the winter outside sometimes and, uh, get like cadence practice and things like that. So it had a purpose. Um, and then the track bike I'm building is so that I could dip my toe into track racing this year, mm. um, or at least fixed gear racing once or twice. See what that's about. That's dope. Um, Nice. The hi- the hybrid, uh, you know, I bought it for my wife. She doesn't ride. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I use that to uh, go to the store, go to my sisters, which mm-hmm. who doesn't live far from me. You know, just little errands tooling around town where I don't yeah. want to put on yeah you know, cleats or anything. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the beater bike. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. That's what's up six bikes. I have two. <laughs> I have a Three. road bike and a folding um, bike. Listen,
0: it's it, it's not how many you have, it's how you use them. If yeah. you put them to use, it's all that matters. Yeah.
1: You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. So, let's start from the beginning. How did you get into cycling as an adult?
0: So, Uh, interesting story there. Um, a friend of mine, him and his wife bought bikes. Um, just out of the blue. They were like, yo, we bought bikes. We've been riding. Um, his wife was a runner and then they decided to go buy bikes and they were like, yo, we should get into bikes. It's Like we're not getting younger. Running is taking a toll on the knees and I, I never was really into running. Uh, my wife is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, I could see the bike thing. Let's, uh, let's figure that out. Um, so I bought an entry-level road bike and we started riding and we would go 10 miles at 15 miles an hour, come back and be like, whew, I'm going to need a few days rest. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing because you know, right? Yeah. Um, and then, uh you know, we are just kind of tooling around as a small group, um, and as you build up that um, cycling muscle, if you will, right, you're starting to ride more, you're starting to ride a little longer. Your your body and your mind are interested in what it feels like to like push yourself a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, toward the Bronx comes up, right, um, which is a big event in the Bronx. Um, where they tour all over the Bronx with, I I guess, a few thousand cyclists. Yeah, Um, They start from 161st Street near Yankee Stadium. Um, So we register for that. We go out there, eyes wide open, because we've never seen so many bikes in one place at one time. Um, And uh, we just happen to be at the start line, socializing, meeting people, And, uh, Millie, if you remember, if you know, Millie, 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 right. She spots us and she's like, Hey, who are you guys riding with? And then we were like, looking around, like, are we supposed to be riding with somebody? (laughs) And she's like, well, you ride with me. So we rode with her that day. And she told us all about major Taylor, um, the club. And she was like, you need to come out. And so she basically recruited me. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, she was riding more with Major Taylor New Jersey. Um, So she recruited me into Major Taylor New Jersey, um, or into cycling with the clubs in the local area. So Mm -hmm. before that, I never knew anything about club cycling, right? Mm -hmm. I thought everybody's an individual cyclist, and I just never would see them on the road. Um, So she gets me to go out to a couple of group rides with them, and the rest, I guess, is kind of history from there. Like five, five or six bikes later, many miles <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lots of pain.
1: So you want to know like a funny story? I met Millie, and she probably doesn't even remember me, but I met her in 2017 on a, um, I think it was called Bike East, or it was it was some cycling event in Brooklyn, um, put on by Courtney. Um, and she saw me and I was riding my, my folding bike and she pulls up to me. She was like, Hey, um oh, uh, you know, you're you're pretty good on your folding bike. I was like, oh, thank you. She was like, um, you should uh she told me about Major Taylor, about the group Major Taylor. She's like, oh yeah, you know, she come to like one of the entrance meetings. I was like, all right, cool. She's like, yeah, and you know, try riding with us. I was like, all right, cool, but you got to get a different bike. <laughs> she,
0: she said, get I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. There, and then there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah, then there's that. <is> that. <laughs> so she, she put me on to Major Taylor. So shout out to Millie. Oh man. Okay, so now you're in Major Taylor. Then what made you take the jump to, okay, now you're riding with this club. Right. What, what makes you want to start racing?
0: Got it. So um, the club, so let's talk through the progression in the club first, because mm-hmm. there's a progression you go through with this club before you get into racing, um, so I'm riding with Major Till New Jersey and every club has their own dynamics, how they ride, when they ride, how far they ride, how intense they ride. Um, so you ride with New Jersey and New Jersey is a, is a typical and fairly social club, right? They mm-hmm. they have a social aspect to them. Um, they like to get together on the bike and off the bike. Um, they have some very good riders and riders who have been around for a very long time, very experienced riders. Um, but, and some of them who have raced, but were not racing when I joined. Right. So although they rode at a certain level, they weren't at a kind of race pace level. Mm -hmm. Um, So I rode with them for a while. And interestingly enough, although I'm in Jersey and they're in Jersey, it still was a task to ride with them because they rode out of Newark Mm. and I live closer to New York. Right now, remember, I'm joining this club and I barely know anything about the cycling community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so every time I want to ride with my club, I got to get in my car, pack up my bike, go to Newark, start the ride there, do a 20, 25 mile ride, hang mm-hmm. out, socialize, come back home, sit in traffic, what have you. Um, And over time, you know, as I rode more, met more people, and learned more, I was like, there's good riding right outside my door. I live in North Jersey. I can go up to the George Washington Bridge. I can ride 9W. I can go to Piermont. Actually, Millie took me to Piermont one time, and it was like I (laughs) I was on another planet. I was like, how is this thing 10 miles from my house? And I never knew it existed. I was like, this is crazy. So she exposed me to like riding north and um, and a whole different culture of cyclists. And I started doing that, and I started riding less with New Jersey, um, and subsequently got introed on one of the bigger club rides, mm-hmm. uh, which was Princeton, I think, where New York and New Jersey come together. So the Iron Riders and the New Jersey Club come together for one big ride. Um, and I was introduced to the New York Major Taylor chapter, which is the Iron Riders, um and then i was like wait a minute they're closer to me they're more my riding style and i don't have to get in my car to ride with them even though they're in brooklyn and i'm in jersey they ride the roads that are closer to me they come across the bridge they go up 9w and they go to all the places that i would go to so i switched clubs um just out of convenience mm-hmm. right Um, But I never really left the other club. I was still affiliated. I paid dues for a short amount of time. I still ride with them. I know them well. Um, It was just a matter of convenience of where I would ride more. Yeah. So now that I'm with the Iron Rider Club, they have a different riding style. And when I joined the club, before their current president, um, their style was swim or drown. So you joined... And they helped you out, but you got the push and the push, put it that way. <laughs> you got the physical push to, hey, you know, hey, get in there, keep it up. But you got the mental push that you mm-hmm. need to get better. You need to work on this. You need to do that. The rides are getting faster. The rides are going longer. Um, and, and uh, you know, you either swim or drown. And there are some people that I joined that club with or around the same time that didn't come back. And I just kept going back and kept going back until I got better people who were dropping me. Then I was keeping up with them and eventually dropping them. Hmm. Um, So when I got to that point, it was like, all right, what's your next challenge? And I started getting, you know, you're on those faster rides, you're getting introduced to people who race and they're like, you should try racing. You should try racing. And then I said, um, do I really want to race? What is racing about? I just learned about riding. What I don't know what racing is about. I had no idea. I'm like, what do you need to do? Where do you need to show up? What are the protocols? And then uh, Dean, you know Dean from Brooklyn? Maybe by face. Okay, so Dean, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on his last name. theron, Dean mm-hmm. Farron. He pulled me aside after one of the rides, and he said, look, here's the deal. If you want to race, race. Make no commitment. Register. Put a number on. Go race with no expectations. As a matter of fact, don't even try to win. Just make sure you keep up with the field and just view it as a group ride. Stay in the back. Observe what happens. See if you like it. And that was it. That was the spark that lit the candle. Um, I did that. I signed up. I figured out what needed to happen. I asked around, I got my license. Um, I registered for CRCA. I bought a CRCA Jersey cause I wasn't affiliated with the team. Um, and I woke up early in the morning, went to central park, did a race and oh my God, my heart was going so fast. I couldn't wait to get to the next race. Mm. I was like, this is awesome. Um, And I've been racing since. And then of course, still riding with Major Taylor. Once you have that desire, they're like, oh, you should come race with us. And it just made sense. So you mentioned
1: license. Correct. What is, why do you need a license? Like, Can you explain it?
0: Sure. So there are two governing bodies, I guess, we're still talking about here in the United States. There is another governing body that's international, which would be the UCI. But in the US, there is a governing body called uh, USA Cycling. Mm -hmm. Um, And for all cycling and all sanctioned races will be I don't want to say the word sponsored, but it will be happening through that body, through that governing body. So any race that's happening in the United States is probably happening through USA Cycling. Um, and in order to participate in those races, because they hold the insurance and, mm, okay. um, and they hold the uh, all the details around the organizers and locations and all that stuff. So as a governing body, every member who participates needs to be licensed. Um, So there are a few ways to get licensed. You can pay for an annual license, which means you buy it for the year and you can race as much as you want. Um, Or you can do day of licensing where you show up to a sanctioned event and say, I would like to race today. They will give you a one day license. So you pay for that and your race fee. Mm -hmm. And after that race, you no longer have a license. You do it again next time, if you wanted to, race by race. Um, And I would imagine that the goal there is to allow people to try it without fully committing to one year. Um, So, yes, you need that license to race at any sanctioned race in the United States of America.
1: Hmm, Good to know. Definitely didn't know that.
0: Right. So in the New York tri-state area, there is a local governing body. Called CRCA, um, Century Road Club Association. Um, They are over 100 years old. They are a nonprofit and they, like USA Cycling, they oversee not all, but many of the races in the New York tri state area, Mm -hmm. specifically in New York. So they don't, I don't think they dabble in like Connecticut and New Jersey. But in New York, a lot of the races that are put on are either sanctioned by, sponsored by, or in conjunction with them. um, Because they are a large organization with uh, some influence. You know, they can get marshals, they can get police, they can get streets cut off, shut off, and things like that. Um, So, yeah, so with them, you have to also register. You don't need a license per se, but you have to register. You have to be a registered member to race in their races. Okay. Um, And they have, like I said, they've been around 400 years and they kind of cultivated a race culture that tries to bring people not only into the race scene, but up through the ranks by holding club races that are familiar, right? So if you're a member, it's a great chance that you race in their series. It's 12 races in Central Park. You're going to be racing against the same people mm-hmm. all summer in that series. Um, you know, and they hold points and they move things around and they, you know, make sure the marshals are there and things are safe. And um, so it, it is a decent organization for that. Not to mention, <clears throat> given the way things are going, they are the least expensive mm. racing in New York City at the moment. So you pay a hundred and I don't know if it's a hundred and thirty. It was a hundred when I started racing with them. I think it's 130 or 160 now. And you race 12 times. So if you go to any other open race around mm-hmm. the New York Tri State area, they're like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 35 bucks each. So that adds up. Yeah. You're racing two or three times a week.
1: So, okay. I've only been to, I've been to two, two races. So the, the, um, the Father's Day race in, in Harlem. Um, I can't think of the name right now.
0: Harlem um, skyscraper.
1: Harlem skyscraper. And then one on Randall's Island. Yep um how many laps do you typically do are they usually the same amount or depending on the race it's different
0: uh the latter is the answer so depending on the race it's different so in order to answer that let's talk about types of races Mm -hmm. there are a few different types of races for the sake of brevity in this conversation i will name the popular ones There is Criterium Racing, Mm -hmm. which is typically a... So they're all closed course. Um, That's going to be a short closed course. And it's typically less than one mile, a mile or less, the course. And it'll have varying configurations. It could be a four-corner crit, where it's just an oval, a square, or a rectangle. Um, Or it could be... A six corner crit, right? Where it's got some kind of, you know, left or right or like, you know, a little bit of, of uh, nuance in it. But it's still the track would be shorter than a mile. And in those cases, the mileage might be shorter mm-hmm. because the track is shorter, but it still depends on the category you race in. So if you race in the lower categories, um I always say this backwards. Higher categories have lower numbers, right? Think escalating but descending numbers. So mm-hmm. lower categories meaning five is the beginners. One is the highest category, which is like semi-pro or almost pro. Follow? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you race into fives, it's typically a timed race call it 30 minutes to anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes. And they will time the laps as the race progresses. And then they will put a lap counter up once they get an idea of what the pace is like. Typically those races in 30, 45 minutes on a one mile track is doing like 12 to 15 miles depending mm-hmm. on speed. Whereas if you were racing a criterium in a cat two or cat one race, it's probably 90 minutes And it's closer to 30, 30 something miles, 30 to 40 miles. Right. So as you move up in category, the races get more intense and longer. Mm -hmm. um, And subsequently the distance. So now that you got the categories and the timing, and we talked about criterium, the next style of racing would be a circuit race. Um, Still a closed course, longer than a mile. Think park races, Branchbrook Park, Prospect Park, Central Mm -hmm. Park, right? So two miles. Branchbrook is probably two, a little over two miles. Prospect, I think, is three or four. And Central Park is Mm 6.6. So those will be, um, they could either be lapped, like they will tell you you're doing five laps or six laps. Um, and they will adjust that based on whether you're category five or category one. Um, or sometimes those races are timed too, but they're so long that it's hard to time them because the, the track is longer. Right. Yeah. So we did 45 minutes. It wouldn't be a lot of laps. Um, And those wind up being on average about 30 something miles, somewhere between 20 something, 30 something miles. Um, The next category would be road racing. So road racing can be, doesn't have to be closed course. It can be a bigger track that is 10, 12, 15 miles and you're doing three or four loops. Um, I think Bear Mountain, I don't know what the exact distance is, but the Bear Mountain road race is pretty long and it has, uh, wildly undulating terrain. You know, it's got hills in the middle and it's got, you know, deep descents and it's got like long straightaways and curvatures like, and a road race could be point to point. So it doesn't have to be closed course. It can be 40 miles from one point to another, Mm -hmm. um, but that's road racing, um, and that's not typically timed. It's typically distance. Gotcha. And they will vary the distance based on the categories. So hope that makes sense. It's an it, odd way of explaining it.
1: It it does, because I didn't, like, I would, I'd see some YouTube videos or, like, or Instagram videos of Justin Williams and his brother and some other cyclists. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, like I said, didn't go out and watch the Harlem skyscraper. I'm like, oh, is this? I didn't know right. well, that they were, like I knew there were different types of races, but you know, I'm not thinking like, oh yeah, this and that. And so thank you for explaining it. Sure, sure. So out of those types of races,
0: which do you enjoy the most? Um, I like the Criterium Racing, mm-hmm. um, which is the racing style that Justin Williams and, and Corey Williams do the mm-hmm. most. Um, mm-hmm. They race different disciplines, but they race Criterium most. And the reason I like it is because it is it is exhilarating. It's fast. It's shorter. mm mm-hmm. um, and it's just as tactical as other racing, but it requires um, a different set of skills, right? Different set of bike handling skills, um, you know, different types of strategy around patience and timing. And um, so I like that, right? That's, that's the race that your heart rate is in the red from the start. That's how those races start because everyone knows it's short. So they're going to step on it from the beginning. They're not going to ease into the race. It's going to be hard from the start because it's very short. And people are like, if you're fit, you'll last. And if you're not, you won't.
1: I'm not going to lie. Those kind of scare me. Like, just watching (laughs) y'all. Like, it's just so close. And one, it seems like one wrong move. Uh, That's true. you, You take everybody down.
0: Not just yourself. So, <laughs> so that is true where you were at the Harlem skyscraper yeah. and did you witnessed I was in a crash in the Harlem skyscraper.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't
0: witness it. Yes. Um, not not of any fault of my own. Every bike racer would say that, but I mean it. Um coming into the fourth turn towards the straightaway, a guy hit the fence mm. on the inside and he bounced out and knocked down half the field. Oh gosh. Yeah, and I was in that crash and you know no hard feelings it's bike racing it's fine um, but it's it's a risk you take in bike racing and there's ways to mitigate those risks by positioning yourself accordingly being in certain locations in certain turns or being at the front of the race where it's typically smoother there are there are strategies and tactics that can be employed to I don't want to say ensure, but to increase your safety. Um, and as you move up in category, I'm not going to say that they don't make mistakes, mm-hmm. but they're very much more experienced. So when you're watching those races, you will notice that they are much smoother. Yeah. And they don't, like, they don't get aggressive at times when it's not called for right? They just race the race. They're not mm-hmm. trying to get in front of you at odd times or squeeze through a spot that isn't there or anything like that. So it's one of the benefits of moving up, but on the flip side, it is harder. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so what is your training typically like for a criteria?
0: Um, I would say... um. So the, the funny thing about that is, and in order to answer that question, I don't train for criteriums. I train for racing just mm. because the racing varies so much in this area. And I'm not really one to just be like, I'm only going to do criteriums. Mm-hmm. I want to be fit to race and I'll race different styles of racing, um, understanding that they're all going to tax a different part of my fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, So generally speaking, my training involves uh, base training throughout the winter, which could mean tempo or sweet spot work, um, mostly indoors just because I'm a time crunch cyclist and it's gloomy outside, cold and wet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Lest not we forget, it is the Northeast. Um, So yeah, so sweet spot or tempo riding mostly. And you do a few blocks of that. By blocks, I mean weeks, right? So Mm -hmm. you think of training in like six week blocks, you do a six week block of base training. So nothing crazy, nothing high, uh, you know, high output. Um, And you're getting basically endurance work in. You're building up your stamina, you're building up your leg strength, you're building up um, your ability to be in a saddle for long periods of time, Mm -hmm. Um, comfort on the bike. And then, when you've had when you've passed through the base phases, whether it's one block or two blocks, you move into um, what is like a build phase where you start working on um, either uh, threshold or VO two max, probably a little bit, um, and those are kind of more specific to the. To the styles of racing mm-hmm. right so you want to be able to withstand surges which in the category i race category four and in category four there's tons of surges every single time like someone will try to attack everybody will chase someone will try to attack mm. again everyone will chase knowing that the person's not getting away it's just what we do this is mm. like cat and mouse all day so you have to be able to withstand those in order to make it through the race and that's why you do those VO2 max and those surge trainings to like have your body and your aerobic system adapt to high intensity work, recover. High intensity work, recover, right? Recovery yeah. is very important um, in the races. Um and you know, as you get closer to the season, then you start training on specifics. Right. You start to do more intervals. You start to do more anaerobic work. Um, You start to push yourself a little harder and a little more. um, And you kind of time it. So if you know what your race season looks like generally, or, you know, when you're going to start racing, you pick that date and you work backwards so that your training is kind of peaking as racing is beginning. Mm. And you're not like tapped out when racing starts. Right. If you do too much work too early, then you'll do a few races in the beginning of the season, and you'll be like, "I'm done. I've, I've had enough." <laughs> Damn. So, um.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you: um, Are you you also do you also use Zwift or Trainer
0: Road? I do. So. Mm-hmm. I use trainer road. I prefer it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's boring. (laughs) It's staring at a graph uh, all day um, or for hours. Um, However, it is very concise, straight and to the point. Do the work, get off the bike. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on Zwift for a while. The social component just got, it it was too much. Mm -hmm. Although they have their own structured workouts that you can follow, but, you know, you're in the middle of a structured workout and someone's like, hey, buddy, didn't yeah. know you'd be on this early in the morning. Want to ride? Oh, man, no. I'm like, and how hard are you riding that you could talk? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're texting me and I'm in the middle of intervals, like, I can't type nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I got off Zwift. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, people rave about Zwift. I have nothing bad to say about Zwift. I've had some very good training blocks on Zwift mm-hmm. with group rides, um, but it it just, it was hard for me to focus on a training regimen. And I'm following yeah. one now, yeah. so I think Trainer Road for me works better for that purpose. And and I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, I'm a time crunch cyclist, so mm-hmm. with all the other responsibilities I have, including work and family and trying to rest, um, haven't even mentioned eating or (laughs) like (laughs) bathing. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. So I need something that tells me what I need to do. And it it also helps with my, um, mental. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of cycling is mental, right? Um, you can get on a bike and you can feel good, but if your mind isn't in it and it's a hard workout, you won't finish that workout. Your mind yeah. will start to drift. You'll think about something else. You'll be like, "Oh man, I forgot to like put something in the laundry," and right in the middle of an interval, and you'll be like, "What?" Yeah. Uh, so, and then all of a sudden, it's a failed workout. So, um, with Trainer Road, I have it mapped out in a calendar. I look at it the night before, and I go, "All oh, right, it's in my mind, locked in." I go to bed knowing what I got to do in the morning. Is it an hour? Is it an hour and a half? Is it two hours? Is it intervals? Is it base? Is it the rest day, mm-hmm. and I wake up with that in my mind, and I know what I'm doing, and I get on the bike, and I do it, I get off, done. I actually just got off the bike before we started talking. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that.
1: Look at that. Um, yeah, Gihan had mentioned it. He said, you know, you should really check it out. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe when I get back to New York, I'll try it if I'm not outside, but um, I so totally get what you The beauty of say. those rides
0: mm-hmm. is, is that you can do them outside. So when it warms up, sometimes I load those oh. train and road rides into my head unit and I go outside and I do them.
1: Mm. Okay. Okay, trainer road. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty dope that you can
0: use it indoor or outdoor. Correct, and and for the people listening, this is not a trainer road paid sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: okay, so where in the world have you raced?
0: Where have you, Where has the racing taken you? Ooh, that is a fantastic question. Um, not many places, pretty far, but not a lot of different places. But pretty far. So I have trained in Spain. Mm. Um, Mallorca is an island that is known for cycling and triathlete training. Um, So we go there in the spring um, for the past few years um, as sort of a training vacation. Mm. We go there for two weeks and we ride every day. Um, And it's a way to get away from, it's a way to get away from the real life interference, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're out there, you wake up, eat, ride, eat, shower, sometimes massage, sleep, and do it and repeat. Mm. So eat, ride, sleep, bathe, eat, ride, eat, ride, sleep, or no, eat, ride, eat. I keep forgetting to eat again, right? <laughs> Sleep, ride again and again and again for two weeks. Um, and usually we go into spring and come back and it's right at the tip of race season when you come back. Um, so we do that every year. That That is in Majorca. Um, we have done, we've raced in France. Um, we've done a race called the Haute Route. Um, which is the supposedly the hardest cycling sportive in the world. Um, It is modeled after, or at least it started out modeled after the Tour de France. Mm. Um, So you know the structure of the Tour de France, right? 21 Mm. days over the Mm -hmm. course of like riding through the mountains of France um, and that region. Um, And this is the same thing, but on an amateur level. Mm -hmm. So they would spend seven days in the Pyrenees and then seven days in the Alps and then seven days in the Dolomites. Um, If you were lucky enough to have that much vacation time or you were (laughs) retired, then kudos to you. Um, But you could register for one stage of it, um, which would be, you know, either Pyrenees, Alps, or Dolomites. And we've gone three times. Um the first time in 2016 we did the Pyrenees which are steeper shorter climbs and by steeper i mean we're talking averaging 8 to 10% climbs mm. for somewhere between 10 and 12 miles 8 miles climbs things like that in the Alps the climbs are longer but less steep, okay. so you're gonna get averages of, I don't know, somewhere between like seven and ten, seven, eleven. seven, mm-hmm. eleven, um, over longer periods. We're talking twenty mile climbs, mm-hmm. um, which could take days. Now I'm kidding, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's eye- it's eye opening, right? And it's uh, um, it's one of those things that. Uh, it really tests you and you really find out a lot about yourself. Um, you push yourself and you find out you can do more than you really think you can. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so we did the Alps twice um, and you know, over the years they reconfigured the race. So once we started in Nice and ended in Switzerland in Geneva, and then the next time we started so, forget where the starting point was but we ended in Nice um, in France Um, and those are good races we made connections with a lot of people um, people that we're friends with today and Mm -hmm. other countries that ride all the time and we see them whether we're on Zwift or Facebook or Instagram Um, so we keep up with their riding and their lives Um, some of us actually still travel to other places and kind of hook up with them. I know Lorenzo travels and sometimes connects with those people in like, in uh, Italy and things like that. Um, I haven't been fortunate enough yet to do that, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the unique, well, not so unique, but, um, what you find is that you don't see people of color there, um, because, well, you don't see many, mm-hmm. right? For for those heart root races, if we were, like, five of us there, and I think it was five of us there, um, out of 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just think that, A, we don't know about those events yeah. a lot of the times. And, B, um, it can sometimes feel unwelcoming, mm-hmm. Um and uncomfortable, right? Um, so, but that is not to say that they did anything wrong. It was an excellently managed event. We had a good time. And oh, obviously, if we went three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are, those are good. Those are good. They, they are definitely learning experiences. And um, you got to be a little bit adventurous to go out there, especially the first time, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um so one of our group or a smaller group that travels together, Lorenzo, he said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this trip." And we were like, "Oh, that looks interesting." And we all got on the phone one night and we all got on the internet and we all signed up that night, mm. n- not knowing what we were getting into. Not a clue what we were getting into. <laughs> And then came, the, then came the course book, which they sent in the mail. And then we started reading it. And then we had another phone call, which was the, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what did we sign up for? Um, but we forged ahead and we had fun. Man, that seems so dope. Like, oh, man
1: just to go to these places and then you're riding.
0: <sighs> so, you know what the, yeah. what the, the real kicker was like, you're there. And if you're really in cycling, you follow cycling and you watch, even if you just watched tour de France, right. You mm-hmm. can see all the hype about it. You can see all the cities and towns and people lining the roads yeah. and the chalk of the famous people's famous cyclists in the street, their names in chalk. It's really out there. Yeah. It's not like a, a TV thing. It's really out there. And the people, they're, like, cycling is part of their culture. So when mm-hmm. they see you they're riding, they don't honk you or buzz you. They honk you and cheer you on. I mean, you could be going molasses, turtles, turtles slow up the hill. And they will roll their window down and be like, LA, 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 which means go, go, go. Oh, that's nice. Right? And, uh... You know, it it's just a cultural thing, like cycling is a big thing for them. So um they're very welcoming when it comes to that sport, which is which is good. It's cool, right? Um doesn't help me get up the hills sometimes, <laughs> but you know <laughs> and, then you, and then you come back home and you realize that you've gone to Bear Mountain, which is what four, four miles long? I think, um, I think I think Beaumont's 4 miles long, 4 change. Mm-hmm. But when you come back from France and your first day of your 7-day race, the first day has 3 climbs in it and the first two climbs are 20 miles apiece. Mm. You come back home and you look at the hills we ride and you go, these are not mountains. <laughs> I could <can> do this. <laughs> right. I'm calling this Bear Hill, not Bear Mountain. Not a mountain.
1: Bear Incline. <laughs> that's right. Bear, bear Incline. That's really cool that you guys went out there and you continue to go out there and represent us. and Not only black people but Americans but but definitely black people people of color
0: you know absolutely and we, and we come back and we try to bring more people with us so we've been to Spain a few times over the course of the years and this coming year this April we're going and I think we're taking like 10 people usually it's like four of us mm-hmm. and that group is growing um And we're trying to get more more people exposed to it, Um, and especially more women. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, Serena went out there with. Did she? She went out. I know she went. Serena went.
0: Surprised herself. Loves it. Yes. uh, You know, Serena's a nomad though. She'll she'll travel. She don't care.
1: Yeah. And that's what's up. Well, I'll. I'll have to start following you on Instagram and see your post and um, root you guys on.
0: So that's the interesting thing about it. Like, at least for me, you might not see a lot, if mm-hmm. any, post while I'm out there. Oh, okay. Well When you get because, back. Because I'm so immersed in the moment. Like, I'm I'm taking pictures, I'm documenting it, but I'm just not thinking about, like, Mm -hmm. being on social media. I'm trying to absorb the whole experience, like, every day, just being there.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that's good that you're in the moment, you're present, and then as long as you, I think it is important for everyone to, like, share these things that most of us, Again, me not knowing anything about racing, and maybe that's something I want to do down the line. And now that I see your post, I see Serena's post, I see others, and I'm like, wow, this is an actual thing. And this is an actual thing that people that look like me, that come from these same areas that I come from, are doing. So it's very inspiring, and I just like encourage people to share and document these things, because... If you leave it up to, you know, we would think, oh, black people don't do this, or people of color don't do this, or they don't go out there, you know? So just want to shift this narrative with anything that is, quote unquote, traditionally traditionally not a black thing, which I just, I have a problem with that, you know what I'm saying, with that term, like black people don't do that.
0: Like, what do you mean? I'm black. I do it. (laughs) So Exactly. And I think that's the importance of circling back to like the tradition of pulling people in. That's why people like Millie are important.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So Millie, Millie pays it forward whenever she can. Mm -hmm. She don't care if you're in, if you're in the park riding a unicycle with a t-shirt on, she will be like, you need to come ride with the club, but you got to get a second wheel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need a bicycle, not a unicycle, <laughs> <motorcycle. laughs> you need to come ride with the club, right? Yeah. She will do that. And I think that she's instilled that in me. So mm-hmm. when I see people, I'm constantly, sometimes I, I probably aggravate people, but I'm always trying to pull them in, whether it's to the club or to the racing. Mm-hmm um i'm always trying to get them exposed to it and you know my thing is don't knock it unless you've tried it right so try it if you don't like it fine but don't not like it if you've not tried it so if you have an interest say um, i want to at least give it a shot if you don't have an interest that's a different story i'll I'll back off yeah but uh, there are there are tons of people out there um that are interested but scared because of many of the things we talked about here, mm-hmm. right? They don't know the logistic side of, I want to race, but what do I do? Where do I get this license? Where do I go? Um, how how do I get started? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm here for it. I'm happy to help anybody who, who wants the information or needs to push. All right, well, thank you for that. Thank you
1: for that. And speaking of push, what, what pushes you to still race?
0: Um, I think I wouldn't say I'm an ultra competitive person. Um, I think that the competition drives me to stay fit. Right. It's like everybody needs that motivator to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, the competition is what keeps me motivated because if it was just up to group rides, I could easily see myself giving it up. Mm. Right. Or getting annoyed with some element of the group ride, like, Oh, they stopped too long or they always go into this place that I don't like or, but racing is different, right? It, It is, it taps into a different, uh, mindset of competition and preparedness and, um, teamwork uh, which is the which is the other aspect that I didn't even talk about right so the mm-hmm. team like it's not just me racing I race for a team, I race with a team um, so a lot of times the racing at least for me is about them as much as it is about me mm. We've got young people on the team who aren't racing as long as I've been racing and I haven't been racing that long by anybody's standards, um, but I can always enlighten them on different tactics, skills, training methods. And sometimes they enlighten me. Sometimes they are like, hey, no, we should do this or try that or do this. Um, And that camaraderie and the teamwork um, also keeps me going. Um, So that's where I I get my energy from. It's kind of like helping other people um, and racing with and for them. For me, it's just about staying fit. I mean, I could do a handful of races and take it or leave it and still get my my rods in my long rides, but I enjoy the team aspect of it,
1: yeah any advice for inspiring um racers
0: yes, go race. <laughs> That's, that's the advice. I, a, a wise man once told me, people who want to race, race. Right? You, you can never know what it's like sitting on the sideline. I don't care how many races you watch. It's not the same. When you pin that number on and you get to that start line, your heart is doing something different. And when you go through that race, even if you get dropped at the end of it, you're like, huh. And if you're even slightly competitive, right? Not competing against others. At this point, you're going to be competing with yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to see those people come back and you're going to be like, I can do this. Like if they did that, (laughs) why can't I do this? Exactly. And you're going to, you know, figure out what do I need to do to finish this race? And then, you know, it, it happens in stages. What do I need to do to finish this race? And then you finish a race. And then you're like, huh, what do I need to do to finish the race further in the front? And then you start finishing further in the front. You start learning different things. And then you start to say, all right, if I can finish in the front and I'm not that winded and I'm not hurt, how can I win? Like, what do I need to do to win? Mm -hmm. Right? And it's an evolution of your cycling. And the more you do it, the more you, you figure it out. Sometimes counterintuitive, everybody thinks, Oh, you gotta be super strong. Everybody in these races are not super strong. Some of them are just smart. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just don't waste energy when they don't have to position themselves just right. Stay out of trouble, stay away from people who don't look safe and then they finish the race and You're looking at them like, how did you finish? (laughs)
1: You know what? Maybe I'll, uh, like I said, maybe I'll give it a try.
0: So I I would say race and um, specifically, so I'm giving general advice, right? Get in, race, don't even attempt to be competitive. You need to get in a race to see what the dynamics of racing looks and feels like. Mm -hmm. but specifically to you as a woman um the women's racing i can only speak for the new york scene because i've seen it and we have women teammates um it is very much different so where you go and watch the men's race yeah a the fields are much more crowded um the testosterone level is on nine thousand. And everybody thinks that they are Justin Williams <laughs> and they can win or make some fancy move or break away. And it, it is, for lack of a better term, it gets very aggressive sometimes at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the women's racing seems a lot calmer. I'm not going to say easier because it's all relative. Yeah, But it's a lot more calmer. They seem... I would equate their racing to the higher category racing they seem like more (laughs) pragmatic and strategic like we're all in this together it's all like we're racing and eventually i will try to beat you but i'm not going to try to kill you (laughs) well that's good (laughs) it's good to know (laughs) right 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 so that is to say don't watch men's racing and base your experience off that
1: yeah yeah, I'll, um, hopefully, if Serena's racing this year, I'll get a chance to go watch her and uh, talk to her
0: about it. She is racing.
1: Oh, okay um, yeah.
0: She's racing, and um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but <clears throat> CRCA has a development series for women, and I've heard for men, too, now. So, whereas Cat 5 would be the entry point. hmm for racers, which is like the lowest category. um, They have a race series for people who are developing. So women like yourself can get in this race. And I think they're chaperoned races. So they have marshals that ride with the race. Mm -hmm. Inevitably Mm -hmm. the race breaks up because everybody's fitness level is all over the place. Right. But there's people that are riding along uh, motivating you and coaching you like, hey, you need to get up Harlem Hill. You got to change your gears or this is what you need to do here or are you drinking or mm. are you eating? Like they're talking you through the race as it's happening. Mm, that's have, good. They, they <laughs> have that like three times, three or four times. Okay, thank you. I'll I'll look into that. Yeah, yeah, you should. That's very good uh way to to jump in without you know diving into the deep end yeah (laughs) or you could just dive into
1: the deep end uh no
0: (laughs) listen if you dive into the deep end we will be there to support you and make sure you come out on the other side thank you i really appreciate (laughs) i appreciate that i promise you that if you tell me I'm going to race, I've decided to put my toe in the water, we will be there. All
1: right. I to will. See. I'll think about it and I'll, I'll let y'all know. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> thanks, no pressure. <laughs> Before we wrap up, is there any last words?
0: Um. Yeah, I think... The one the one message I would put around all of this is um, and you touched on it, right? So. Generally, there is a misconception that um, people of color don't participate in this sport Mm -hmm. and definitely not at the level that we've been participating in it at. Um, And I think we're kind of breaking that mold. And we're not the only ones. I'm not taking credit for it. There are people all over the country doing that, but I think you see the times changing Yeah. Um, with, you know, Justin and Corey Williams. And um, there are some other uh, Latin racers from Miami blazers whose names I don't know, but um, you know, you see more black and Brown faces at all levels of the sport Um, club racing, lower categories, all the way up to and through the higher categories. So I think that it is, uh, to your point, incumbent upon us to share the knowledge, mm-hmm. um, share our experiences, good and bad, Yeah. right? Sometimes you see people post pictures of them crashing, like that's the reality of racing, it happens. Um, and maybe you see that and you learn from that what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it can't be like everybody's just showing themselves on the podium and showing themselves winning and, you know, it looks great. And then when you go race, you realize you're not winning and you get discouraged. Some of those people before they're on the podium, they race many years not being on the podium. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that. Right. So I, I think it is it is important for us to share that information. Um. And you never know who you're gonna inspire. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, so yeah, so I thank you for this opportunity. So I hope you have many viewers and listeners. Um, and I hope I inspire somebody.
1: I'm sure you have. And thanks again for being a guest. I really, really, truly
0: appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Um, And I look forward to pushing you to race when you get back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. You could just, you could just block my text. i Keep sending you race dates.
1: (laughs) All right. Cool. Cool. All right. I'll prepare for that. (laughs) Well,
0: Um, oh, shameless plug. So if you are serious about racing, um we have a group of people who we are consider prospects of our team. Um we have them in a chat group um where we give supportive information and share information with them. Um and, and the goal is that they're interested in joining the team, so they are a prospect of the team and we support them up to and including their racing.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: when they're ready to dip their toe in the water, like I told you, we will be there for them at those races to make sure they've got their license and show up on time and pin their numbers on correctly and know what to expect. Um, and hopefully we will create a pipeline of people who want to join the team and do the same thing for other people. So um,
1: That's really important, that support uh, system. That is there
0: for you. Uh, absolutely
1: yeah because i know it could be so daunting like damn it can it can (laughs) Um, well i want to thank you again daryl for all the information that you shared with me and the listeners i appreciate it excellent and uh i'll be checking your instagram and so once you get back I can see all,
0: all of what Perfect. you've
1: done. Perfect. All of now what you've done.
0: Now I'm going to be thinking about that. I'm going to be like, all right, let me post something. <laughs> watching. All right, cool, cool,
1: cool. All right. This is the Rolling With Tay podcast. I'm your host, Tasia, a.k.a. Tay, and thanks for listening.